baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you wanna feel. Say what you wanna say. You're gonna die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation. Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of Tangentially Speaking. You're joining me in sunny Topanga, California, Topanga Canyon, just north of Los Angeles, where I'm sitting in my aunt's very funky house. Her This house is sort of like bolted to the side of a canyon. One entire wall of the living room is a rock. It's just a big rock, and the house is glommed onto the side of the rock. Very, It's my favorite house in the world, probably. I've been coming here since I was a kid and always loved the the views. You've got eagles cruising by, or hawks maybe. Maybe they're hawks. Big-ass predatory birds, at any rate, cruising by. Uh, you got beautiful views. This is the home of uh, a lot of the funkier people who have lived in L.A. over the years, ranging from... Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young to the Manson family. Uh, they were all up here in Topanga. So if you ever get to LA and you want to break from the city, uh, set your GPS to Topanga, California and cruise up here. It's 20 minutes from downtown or maybe half an hour. If there's no traffic, just cruise up the PCH, take a right before you get to Malibu. And it's like you're in Colorado. Suddenly it's, uh, it's amazing to be this close to a huge city and, and the air is clean and there are coyotes at night howling and, uh, a lot of nature. It's very cool. Anyway, a lot going on. We've been in L.A. for about uh, 10 days now. We're leaving for Africa in a few days for uh, Casilda's daughter's wedding, which will be uh, bizarre, wild, crazy, big African wedding. Looking forward to that in Mozambique. But in the meantime, we've been in L.A., and uh, as usually happens when I get to L.A., all sorts of media opportunities open up. So I was, uh, I did a show at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater the other night, which was pretty cool, uh, with three comedians, Moshe Kasher, uh, Baron Vaughn, and Shane Mouse, and uh, me and um, Marty Hazelton, an uh, evolutionary biologist who teaches at uh, UCLA, I believe. So we had sort of a comedic slash scientific discussion of uh, human sexuality with a live audience. That was fun. And then uh, Sunday night, I was on uh, the Harmontown. Uh, they do a live taping of that podcast, uh, Dan Harmon, who created Community and some other TV shows and movies. Um, he's a, a very interesting guy. So I was part of that along with uh, the great Lorraine Newman, who was one of the original cast members of Saturday Night Live. Crazy, crazy. I mean, it's like meeting John Belushi, you know, it's like, wow, legendary. And uh, tomorrow I'm going to be on Rogan's podcast uh, for, I think, the fourth time now. It's uh yeah, it's always great to to hang out with Joe. So by the time you hear this, there will be uh, you know another Rogan podcast up, featuring yours truly. 
Uh, what else can I tell you? This episode, I've been I've been looking forward to this. As if you're a regular listener, you know that I tend to bank uh, recordings and sit on them for a while. Um, and there's absolutely no, uh, you know, it's not a commentary on on how excited I am to share them with you. It's just that, you know, some sort of go together better, or segue works better. Or sometimes I do a a recording and I want to get it out right away, like Dan Savage last week. Um, uh, you know, maybe the guest has something they're selling, like American Savage, Dan's new book, which is fantastic if you haven't read it. Um, if if you just sort of like his take on things, but you're not that familiar with his personal story, that book would be uh, excellent for you to check out because it's very autobiographical and runs the gamut from, you know, his coming of age sexually, uh, coming out of the closet, um, you know, his, his relationship with Catholicism, um, uh, the experience of adopting a child and raising a child, uh, you know, his uh, forays into politics with the Rick Santorum and licking the uh, doorknobs at the National Republican Convention to try to give everybody the cold he had. Uh, <laughs> you know, just his sort of guerrilla, it gets better project. I mean, the dude's all over the place. He was just on Bill Maher the other night where he. Um, he gave the Catholic church a real dressing down. You know, he, he essentially said, cause Bill said something about, you know, some Bishop saying, you know, kids raised by a gay couple or, you know, suffer from this or that, whatever the hell it was. And Dan said, no, no, he's confusing kids raised by gay couples to kids who have been fucked by priests. And, uh, apparently that's drawn the ire of the American, uh, Catholic council or whatever the, the organization is that's now trying to get Bill Maher kicked off the air for having a guest who dared to state the obvious and true. But, you know, it's one thing to uh, to do something. It's another thing to talk about it. And apparently in the United States, talking about things is considered dangerous. I was on a flight last week to New York um, because I was being interviewed for a documentary that will be on the History Channel, a six-part documentary about the Bible, believe it or not, a subject about which I know very little. I think the book of Job is the only book of the Bible I've read all the way through, and that's only because it was assigned to me in a high school literature class. But anyway, um, yeah, I was flying to New York uh, on an American Airlines flight, uh, and there was a TV show, The Blacklist, this new show with James Spader, uh, who, who I guess I, I wasn't really that uh, clear on what the show's about, but it seems to be like a 24 sort of thing where he's you know, operates outside the law, but I don't know, it's a terrorist and, you know, all sorts of shit like that. Anyway, I was watching the show and uh, I had my headphones plugged in and they were talking about a bomb that had been planted and they had to find the guy who planted it and, you know, typical TV bullshit. Uh, but when they said, you know, when they came to the word, you know, there's a, that's about to blow up, the the word bomb wasn't there. So I thought, oh, just, you know, whatever, bad recording, you know, TV, uh, airplane, video problems. But then later, the same thing happened. And then again, and I realized they're bleeping out or deleting the word bomb from this TV show that is clearly about a fucking bomb. 
right? Everybody watching this thing knows that they're talking about a bomb, but the word bomb can't be used on a video that's being shown on an airplane. Now, I don't know if that's a law or if that's just American Airlines being particularly sensitive because their plane was flown into the World Trade Center, or I don't, I don't know what the fuck's going on there. But how does it make sense to anyone anywhere to say, oh, I know, you know, anything we show on our planes that has the word bomb in it, we'll just delete it. We'll still show the, sh- the program, no problem, you know, that the program's about a guy bombing shit, but we'll just delete that word as if it matters. Like, what, what, what's going on? What the hell does that mean? Do we think words are magical? You know, if so if we if we say the N word instead of nigger, like somehow we're not racist anymore. You know, we say the C word instead of cunt, we're not misogynistic. And what the hell is going on? Words are not magical people. They're just symbols. So, uh, yeah, uh, Louis C.K. does a great thing about the N word, you know, where he says, you know, you say the N-word, what you've done is you've made me say nigger in my own head. I don't want to do that, right? If you want to use the word, you say it, but don't make me say it. And then you get away with, it's like handing me a package full of shit that you don't open, but I have to open it now. I mean, come on. Anyway, that's my rant. All right, let's get into advertising. Squarespace, uh, they've sponsored me for four episodes. This is the fourth episode, and uh, depending on how many of you good people go out there and sign up for an account at Squarespace, maybe they'll uh, sponsor some more, maybe not. We'll see. Um, But uh, in any case, if you're thinking about getting um, a website, or, or moving your website or redoing your website or anything involved with websites, you really might want to consider Squarespace. I use them. You can see an example of um, the kind of uh, website that a non-expert can put together on Squarespace in a few days. If you look at my site, chrisryanphd.com, It's a template-based system. You choose your template. You upload your material, your text, your photos, your products if you're selling stuff online. And it just gets all configured beautifully um, automatically. And then if you later say, hmm, I wonder what it would look like on this other template, you just click on the other template and it shows you all your stuff. So you're not looking at a a blank model or somebody, you know, else's... um, pretty pictures like you know buying a frame with a photo of some other fictional family no it's your fictional family uh but anyway you you'll see your website reconfigured and then you can say no i liked it the other way click cancel it goes back to the other way it's extremely easy so you know it's beautiful because once you get your stuff up there if you get bored after a year or two you can just with a click you switch it over to a whole different look but you don't have to re-upload and reconfigure and move everything around. Uh, you've also got a lot of control if you want to get into the guts of it. You can control the font sizes, the font styles, the colors, the layout. You know, you can really um, get under the hood if you like to do that. But if you don't, you don't have to. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, if you decided to do something with Squarespace, you want to sign up. Use the code TANGENT, T-A-N-G-E-N-T, 1111, the number 11, TANGENT11, and you'll get 10% off. 
Uh, I think the basic uh, rate is like eight bucks a month, and that includes your uh, reserving your URL address. So um, if you don't already have a URL, they'll they'll reserve it for you, and that's included in the eight bucks a month for an annual uh, eight times twelve, whatever that is, minus ten percent because you use tangent eleven, and that's beautiful. All right. Another uh, sponsor I've got this week is uh, Water Waterfield Designs, um, which confusingly has a website, which is sfbags.com. sfbags.com. They're based in San Francisco. I got to tell you, along with Squarespace, I use their stuff. I've been buying their stuff for years. I first, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, I started buying stuff from them. I've got a gadget bag. I've had several different uh, shoulder bags, laptop bags. Uh, they've got beautiful stuff. It's, they're based in San Francisco. Everything is made in the U.S., U.S. workers. You know, you're supporting your brothers and sisters in San Francisco who are struggling to try to pay their rent because of all these millionaires who are flooding the city, driving up property rates. But in any case, uh, Check them out, sfbags.com. Their their stuff is fantastic. I, I'm telling you, trust me on this. Just go to the website and look at the designs. I just yesterday ordered one of their new backpacks. And the reason I, one of the reasons I've ordered so much over the years is that um, I order these shoulder bags to put my laptop in. But then it's like I got my laptop. I got some books. I got a bottle of water. I got this. I got that. And the, it tends to start getting heavy. And uh, I'm kind of, uh, uh, I mean, I can carry a lot of weight on my back with a backpack. In fact, I spent most of my 20s and 30s with a backpack. But one shoulder messes up my back. I, I start getting pains and get all uncomfortable and weird if I have got things on one shoulder. Um, but I kept, I kept buying these things. And then it's like, oh, no, this will be different. I'll, I've got a MacBook Air now. It won't weigh so much. But then I just load it up with shit. My back starts to hurt. So then I give it to a friend, give the bag to a friend. And, you know, I keep looking for a backpack. But the backpacks all look sort of cheesy and, you know, like they're all this plasticky nylon bullshit. Anyway, fine. I wrote to these guys, actually, and I told them years ago, like, please, please make a backpack. You know, I love your stuff. I really love your stuff. But I need a backpack. I don't do this one shoulder thing. Finally, they designed a backpack. I just saw yesterday, a couple days ago, checking out the site. And uh, I ordered it right away. Love it. I mean, it hasn't come yet. I'll get it when I come back from Africa. But the design is beautiful. It's called the Stad, S-T-A-A-D. Not sure why. But um, and anyway, I... I uh, congratulated uh, Gary, the owner of the company, like, hey, you guys finally made a backpack. And then we started talking. And uh, so uh, they decided they were going to sponsor the, the podcast, I think, a little bit. So at least for an episode or two, uh, SF Bags, check them out. Mention me. They, they're working on getting a coupon code or something like that. But um, in the meantime, I, I didn't want to delay you know, sending this, uploading this episode. So just mention me when you, when you order it in the special, uh, if you order something in the special instructions, just say, Hey, you know, Chris Ryan or tangentially speaking, send me here. So they'll know that, uh, there's some impact out in the world. All right. This episode is very special. They're all very special, but this is, um, a person that I met, uh, at a party, had a fantastic conversation, uh, with, 
with this individual and um and later i thought man this would be what a great interview this would be um for the podcast but i was as you'll understand i was a little hesitant um to ask a transgender person to talk about their personal experience you know we all try to be sensitive to um the the very private and personal challenges that people face in life but um Marissa was so articulate and centered and funny and relaxed that I I risked asking, asking and she said, sure, why not? So uh, this is a very, I think you'll find a very candid and uh, quite moving um, conversation with someone who was born in a male body um, but has always felt... Um, a much deeper resonance with uh, a feminine personality and, and felt that, uh, that she was born into the wrong body. Um, you know, it's, I, I guess I can relate to it on a cultural level because I, when I was a kid, I very strongly felt that I was born into the wrong time and place. Um, I mean, to the point where I, I was a redheaded kid in Western Pennsylvania. You know, I, I made my own moccasins. I thought I was an American Indian. I felt that my inner self was an American Indian, and I just happened to have been born in Western Pennsylvania in the 1960s, and um, it was all just a big mistake. So I, as soon as I got home from school, I put on my loincloth and my moccasins, and I didn't uh, change into uh, more or less normal clothes until I had to get ready for school the next day. Uh, so when I was wandering around the neighborhood or playing cowboys and Indians or, you know, whatever I was doing, I was wearing my loincloth in beaver falls pa and the neighbors were like who's that pale little redheaded kid wearing a loincloth and no shirt pretty weird that was me so i can relate on some level to feeling that you're uh sort of like you were delivered to the wrong address but i'm sure that it's a much deeper much deeper sort of experience and and a lifelong experience in uh, marissa's case Anyway, I've gone on a long time. I think I've covered everything. SFBags.com, check them out. Very cool stuff. Very high quality. Made in the U.S. Beautiful designs. Uh, Squarespace, mentioned Tangent 11, 10% off. Oh, one other thing. Shit, I forgot to mention. Of course, uh, the great uh, T-shirt company, Sure Design T-shirts, you, you know, they're my biggest, most faithful um, sponsor, so much so that I, I sometimes I think I forget to mention them, which is a crime against nature and man. Um, but uh, Bennett just uh, sent me a new shipment, so we've got all the Sex at Dawn design shirts in of of every size you could possibly want but now we also have i'm very happy to announce tangentially speaking t-shirts men's women's and unisex hoodies uh with the uh ralph stedman inspired design ralph stedman was the guy who did that sort of 
drippy, sloppy, but beautiful um, illustrations for uh, Hunter S. Thompson's books. Uh, so check them out on the website, chrisryanphd.com. Go to the store and you'll see them all listed there. I've got Cassie modeling the woman's, uh, my cousin who looks like Eminem uh, doing the... Um, the hoodie. And I think right now all I've got for the men's is like a shirt on the table, but just imagine George Clooney in it and you'll see what it'll look like. Uh, I'll, I'll try to get a nicer photo up soon, but uh, I just wanted to get those up quickly. Anyway, they're great. They fit great. Same great material as the Sex at Dawn shirts. Sort of stretchy, super soft, strong, but very thin cotton, which Duncan Trussell claims is uh, somehow integrates the pubic hair of Thai children or something. I'm not sure exactly what he says, but um, he doesn't mean it in any sort of pedophiliac way, I'm sure. Um, but anyway, check out uh, the T-shirts. They're fantastic. And my mom will send you one as soon as you place an order. Thanks. Uh, hope you enjoy the podcast. See you next time. Manolo era todo un macho de pelo en pecho, pero estaba algo cansado, estaba harto de su sexo. Así que se afeitó y se depiló y ahora Manolo es toda una mujer desde que va por el lado de la vida más salvaje, sí, Manoli. All right, so I guess a, a good place to start is the beginning, right? Okay. Um, let, let's define some terms, first okay. of all, okay? We've got, now you are, how do you describe yourself? Are you a cross-dresser or transgender, both, neither? Uh, transgender. So, um, you know, it, I've, I've read various and heard various definitions over the years, but, um, you know, I, my personal definition of a cross-dresser is somebody who dresses in order to, uh, uh, get into an eroticized state. Right. Right. Um, and that's not why I dress. So I dress because that's part of who I am. I, uh, uh have this, uh, female persona, if you will, um, Marissa in, in my head. Um, you know, not to be uh, confused with the whole multiple personality Sybil thing, but uh, it, you know, Marissa is a fairly discreet personality from Daryl, um, and uh, you know, uh, I dress because I'm female, and that's what females do. They dress in I, female clothes, right? Uh, for the most part. So, someone can be transgender, and that has nothing to do with sexual orientation. Um, yeah, no. Right? So you could be born with a man's body, mm -hmm. feel that your gender is female, mm -hmm. and then be attracted to men or women or both or, or yes. whatever. So those are three separate variables going yes. on. Right? Completely separate variables. Right. Um, you know, I, I read an article, um, and, I, and I can't remember uh, where I read it, but it was referring to some research that had been done uh, by some German researchers that had a theory about um, how transgendered people, uh, some transgendered people, uh, come into being. And um, 
they were discussing this concept of a, a hormonal wash that occurs at infancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a paper that was relating it back to um, uh, uh, drugs that have been given pregnant women in um, uh, prior to giving birth to avoid uh, miscarriage. And this had been done, I guess, up until the, I want to say, late 60s, early 70s. Um, and um, it disrupts the hormonal wash and doesn't complete itself, and uh, and that ends up with uh, the wa- the wash is is responsible for um, telling your brain your particular in, in part your particular gender. Right. And uh, they'd seen some significant increase in in um, in trans- uh, the use of or correlation between the use of this drug with the mother of transgender people. Really, uh, and so uh, it's one one explanation for some people being transgender. Um, I don't know if that's me. I mean, I fall into the edge of the baby boomer, and I'm in the last year of the baby boomer, boomer 1965 mm. kind of range. So um, it's possible that, that that could have happened to me. Yeah, although uh, that's certainly possible, but uh, I'm, I'm aware of, as I'm sure you are, of um, many cases of transgender people living in pre-agricultural societies. There's a whole American Indian tradition, um, the Samoan tradition of uh, Fafina. Or, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and, and the, you know, um, First Nations people called two-spirited. Right. Uh, this goes way, way back. So yeah. in no way am I saying that this is the, the, the cause for everyone. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting piece as I kind of looked into, why was I this way? Yeah. How did I end up this way? Right. Why am I thinking this way? Um, but how, how is there old? some causality? Did some, you know... Yeah, thing happened. Sure, it's always interesting. I mean, even even with just homosexuality, there appears to be some uh, fetal development issue where the the more older brothers a man has, the more likely he is to be gay. And the theory is that it has something to do with um, the mother's fetal environment changing due to the presence the previous presence of those boys in her body and as you say it's a hormonal issue and so it's it's a very yeah it's fascinating to look at at where it comes from um but your first awareness of it must be so confusing how old were you when you first sort of started noticing that you were different and um about 13 years old is when i started you know pretty you know i hear this story kind of story a lot which is you know i used to sneak into my sister's bedroom and try on her clothes which was kind of you know my first kind of um as i look back with uh, with 2020 hindsight i it's the beginnings of realizing that i was transgender um began around then um looking back even further um when i look at my uh life around three four years old which is about the earliest memories that i have Mm. for particular reasons i remember having an argument with my mother uh, it must have been around age three because um and we'll get into that a little bit later that was the last kind of time I saw her was when I was three. Um, I, she used to dress me in leotards, and I remember having an argument about not wearing, wanting to wear a leotard. 
And I can't remember much about that time, and I always wonder, like, what else was going on there? Was she dressed me in girls' clothes at that time? You know, what was going on? Um, so interesting uh, kind of uh, look back at that early stage. You know, was, was there some external kind of... Um, you know, causality, you know, with my mother, or was it uh, uh, simply genetic or a combination of both? Who knows? It's guesswork, I think, at this point. And there was a tradition, I mean, before your childhood, but there was a tradition of dressing uh, little boys in girls' clothes. I believe John Wayne was raised as a little girl till he was five or six years old. I didn't know that. His name was Marion. Yeah, uh, the poet, the German poet uh, uh, Rilke, was also raised as a girl. Yeah, it was it was a sort of a it was very popular in Europe for couples who were hoping for a, a daughter and a boy was born. They would um, give the boy a amorphous name, a sort of a name that could go either way, ambiguous, I think, it's not amorphous, and uh, and raise him in, in girls' clothes and treat him like a girl uh, until five, six, seven years of age. And it was just considered sort of, you know, the fashion, normal thing to do. Pretty interesting, you know. I've never I've read a, a lot of Rilke's poetry, but I've never I don't know if he ever commented on that, uh, and I don't think John Wayne did. But it could explain a lot, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. compensation. I, I, could, I could see someone, you know, having that experience and, and uh, choosing one of two paths: either to completely reject it or to embrace it. And uh, you know, I uh, I look back on it. To now and I have no negative feelings about the situation and I, I can't remember other than that you know argument with my mother I can't remember having any other negative feelings although I do remember also being attracted to boys as I got into five or six years old at least curiosity and and people tell me that that's probably not unusual either you know mm. played doctor with boys and girls yeah you're all curious about each other's bodies uh, but you know i guess now as as being um, a transgender person i look for all the cues in my life and i'm looking right. to go back and and uh and look for any justification or or explanation as to you know why am i this way why why do i feel this way i do know that now it, it is my most comfortable state hmm. it's it's uh, if if I had been younger and not the age that I am, um, I certainly would have considered fully transitioning. Um, but that's not that's a conscious decision that I've made not to do um, because of uh, family. Um, you know, I've got a child and uh, and. Uh, uh, I have a career, and uh, I've right. spent 30 years building that career, and I'd really like it to keep going. So You mentioned the other night you're in real estate and that the people you work with don't know about your, your about Marissa. No, there are some people that I've, I've confided in oh. um, over the years, uh, uh, mostly um, uh, those from the, um, you know, another community I belong to. I'm, I'm involved in the kink community. Mm. And uh, as I learned that they were part of that same community, I felt a lot more comfortable in coming out to them. And, right. and some have actually been my employees. Uh, um, and, and that's led to wonderful relationships over time. And I've never been burned by anyone oh, that's on, great. on a disclosure ever. Um, 
I've been fantastically lucky and uh, and uh, uh, blessed to to have such great friends and, and people in my life. So. Have you thought about how you deal with that? If if your boss came to you and said, "Hey, I heard this." You know, I think I'm also fortunate to to live in an age where it's getting a lot easier, and it, particularly in major metropolitan areas, I right. think it's a lot easier than it might be for somebody in the Midwest or, yeah. you know, um, uh, the Southern United States. Uh, might be a little bit more difficult culturally, yeah. um, but living in a large city, it's it's you know, yes, I've thought about what might happen. But yeah, I've been through so much of my life where I've there's never anything that uh, that I've not been able to deal with. So right. I'm confident that I could probably deal with that too if it ever happened. I just would rather have it happen of my own choosing. Yeah. Have you run into people on the street who you knew but who didn't recognize you? Um, like me, <laughs> the other, the I have uh, the same experience that I had with with you um, has happened. To me, a few times with people who only knew me as Marissa. Oh, who only? Okay, right. And I've ran into them as Daryl. Right. And uh, I've literally had to wave my hand in their face and <laughs> I'd say, um, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, one of the most uh, you know interesting uh, moments for me was uh, 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 when I met my dentist, and uh, I ended up. Uh, running into uh well him or her as you might want to say uh in the uh women's bathroom in in a club and uh, so your de- your dentist is transgender well i didn't know until that moment but yes <laughs> really and uh and so uh, you know i was having problems with uh, uh getting a garter belt to stick I, I i was early in my dressing days and i was still having trouble as probably uh, many of your listeners who foreign garter belts know it's not the easiest thing to do yourself the first few times and uh, so I had some friends helping me and the door swung open and there she is um, now uh, she's you know fairly unique uh, um, um, you know facial stru- structure uh-huh. um, so I recognized her right away uh-huh. but she didn't recognize me right so I decide to have fun with it. <laughs> this is in the woman's bathroom. Yes, we're in a women's bathroom, and it's it's a club. And uh, I've spotted her, but she hasn't spotted me. Yet. Right. And uh, you know, she's like, it's a small bathroom. She's wondering where to put her stuff. I guess she'd come in. She's in you know jeans, and she's going to change into club wear, which is something that. Um, uh, you know, when you're transgender, you find yourself doing from time to time is you'll change mm-hmm. at the place. Right. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I, I said, uh, hi, I, I think we've met before. It's like, um, no, no, I, I, I don't think so. And then, um, I used her real name, <laughs> her boy name. And, uh, it was like a deer in headlights. Yeah. You, you, when you get recognized, it's, yeah. it's, it's a scary thing. Yeah. Um, and in retrospect, I probably should have been a little bit, uh, you know, cognizant of that. But, but at the time, it seemed like, you know. Pretty safe is, spot. I, I've known this person for a long, long time. Right. And, and, uh, and so uh, I uh, used my boy name. I said, you know, it's, it's Daryl, you know. 
dentist. <laughs> you recognize these teeth? Yeah. <laughs> and the shock and surprise at you could have knocked her over yeah. with a feather. I'll bet. Um, but it's always, it, it, you know, when I find myself in those circumstances, it, it always has that element of fun to it when you surprise somebody and say, yeah, this is, this yeah. is me. And uh, I, I think, you know, uh, she was so happy to have somebody that she knew as a mm. friend, and we, we became uh, uh, even closer after that. Um, and uh, and then another long story, I ended up uh, um, uh, meeting my girlfriend through um, uh, my my friend, my dentist, and uh, uh, who they were also dating, and uh, so now that we're dating, we're not really talking too much anymore. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. it didn't work out too well. Yeah. Um, so, and that kind of thing happens in all relationships. Yeah, it's you know you end up dating somebody that somebody else used to date. So then you had to change dentists. I had to change dentists. Oh, that's yeah, a shame. Unfortunately, but uh, you know we'll still see each other from time to time in the clubs more reasonably civil to each other. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was thinking about that uh, on the way over here. You, you know, I think people, are, and one of the reasons that I was so happy you agreed to, to talk is people don't know how to respond, right? Like mm. conventional people, whether I, I imagine gay people as well as straight people, for everybody, someone who's transgender is this other world that, you know, like if you're gay, you know how to deal with gay people. If you're straight, I mean, you know, even straight, I sort of know how to deal with gay people, but transgender, you, you don't know what's going on. You know, it's like, because I was thinking about you meeting the dentist, okay? Now, here you are, you're meeting the dentist. Now, at this point, you both know that you are biologically men who like to dress in women's clothing. But yeah. that's really all you know. Yeah. You don't know that he's transgender. He could no. just be getting off on it, as that you said earlier, whatever, right? Yeah. You don't know if, and I don't even know if the terminology is right, if... If either or both of you are gay, right? Because exactly. as you said, you, uh, you were both attracted to women. You share. You had this woman in common. So, it, I think that's that's the main thing that freaks people out. Like you, you walk into a minefield and you're like, Geez, I don't even know what pronoun to use. I don't want to offend this person, but I, 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 I what do I, I do now? I, I, what do I? I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to refer to things. You know and. And I, I fear that for transgender people, that, can, that discomfort often comes across as rejection or, you know, some sort of implicit criticism. And I'm sure sometimes it is. People are just uptight about things they don't understand. But I think a lot of times it's just, uh, I don't know what to say. You know, I don't know how to not be offensive in this situation. Well, and, and that's pretty common. And I'm, uh, I like to tell my friends who ask, uh, you know, cause they always, they're very tentative. They yeah. Ask you a really personal question. Right. <laughs> you know, I hope you don't get upset. Um, and, and I think, you know, age of, you know, the, you know, politically, political correctness right. has kind of pushed this on us a little bit, but I'm the least politically correct, you know, careful person about pronoun usage that, you know, uh, that I know in, in my community of uh, transgender friends, right? Uh, I'll answer to pretty much anything, uh, provided that it's with good intention. Right. If somebody makes a mistake and says, in referring to me, he or she 
but it's all good. It doesn't matter. Now, if somebody's purposely, um, you know, I'm meeting them for the first time, they're obviously uncomfortable. And like, if I'm in a store and they're saying, you know, sir or he, or then I might get a little upset. I might correct them, mm. you know, and, and, and just say, look, you know, how I present myself is the pronoun that you should probably refer to me in. So, if I'm presenting as a female, then it's a she. If I'm presenting as a male, he. The only difficulty that I've, you know, I've run into, uh, and not with myself, but um, with other people in in the transgender community, is some people in a, and and as I said, the First Nations uh, refer to them as two spirited. Refer in uh, uh, as they. Right. It, it's a simultaneous. You know, inclusive, uh, female and yeah. inclusive. So rather than be specific about he or she or pick, it's they are, and and that even takes me some tray. I, I make a lot of uh, uh, mistakes here and there. I have one friend in particular who I see from time to time, and uh, and it's I, I refer to them as they, and I have to keep reminding myself. Okay, how does this work again? Uh, it's a very um, yeah regular thing for me. Well, and and also I, you know, like so many of these these linguistic contortions we get into to try to not offend people. I'm not sure it's actually an improvement, you know, because, and I'm sure everyone is different in this respect. But it, I mean, you're as I understand it, you as you said, you're more comfortable. This is who you are. You are Marissa. This yes. is your right, and you will be Daryl when you have to for work or to make people comfortable and you know so but this is who you are this this is the my preferred state you know i i am daryl too and and i i like to refer as Dar- to daryl as you know when i'm when i'm in daryl mode as that mode that i'm doing things i have to get things done i have to fix things i have to you know i've got a house i have to get out mow the lawn i have to you know repair the shed or whatever that you know, people <laughs> sounds, do sounds and very farmer brown it, it, very it, male life can be that way yeah. it's not always you know uh, uh getting all glammed up and going out to a club and, right. and having fun it's it's uh you know sometimes it's just going out and doing stuff and you know cleaning the walk outside or whatever yeah yeah, but I guess my point was that um, by saying they, you're insisting on including the the different at the same right, time. and maybe yeah. the person you're talking to is saying, "Hey, look," as you said, you know, in the store, the guy, the whoever refers to you as sir, and you're like, "Look, I'm presenting as a female. You call me she, please." By saying they, it's almost like slipping that sir in there. It, it is, but you know, for the people that I've run into that look for that, they tend to dress androgynes. So oh, they're, they're, I see. they're not at any one time. They're not one or the uh, other. See, they tend to an... present both. Right. So again, it fits the premise of right. how I present is how you should refer to me. And uh, I think you know when you find somebody presenting in an androgynous uh, state, that uh, they is a pretty. Um, uh, pretty safe bet. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, how we live in a world that is so digitized, right? Everything's digital. 
binary is binary it's zero or one everything from the you know the recording device we're speaking into to the phones in our pockets and everything and yet at the same time on a social level I think we're becoming much more conscious of the analog nature of reality. Mm. You know, we call Obama the first black president, but he's not black. He's half black, and he was raised by his white grandparents, you know? And it's like everything's sort of like uh slipping away from clearly clear definitions you know we're talking about sexuality that's a a huge social revolution that's happening now where where people are recognizing that it, it there's not just male and female that there's a whole spectrum you know of of variation there's not just gay and straight you know, there's all sorts of things going on uh between the extremes yeah, I mean, let me use an analogy. If if you had a lazy boy recliner that converted into a bed, what would you call it? A recliner or a bed? Yeah. It's kind of both. Yeah. Uh, and then we have these, you know, we, we like to label things to make life convenient for right. us. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we label things. I mean, this is a chair. This is a door. We have to refer to things so that we know how to, you know, Hey, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. <laughs> Instead of don't let the chair hit your ass on the way, it wouldn't make sense, right? right? So we have to label things to to make sense of of life. And uh, you know, for all the um, uh, you know maybe the uh, political correctness around not labeling things, you know, I don't like to be labeled, or you know, uh, it's just a label. And yeah, we we do that for convenience. So we get confused when there's things that can be more than one thing, right? Or two states, or three states, uh, you know, a highly intelligent friend of mine who I respect dearly, who's also uh, uh, gone through fully transitioned transgender, you know, transitioned from male to female. You, when you say transition, you're talking about surgery and hormones surgery, yeah, and the yeah, whole, yeah. yeah, gender reassignment surgery. Right. Um, um, they, um, you know, she is, uh, she came up with this uh, great concept. We were talking about you know, uh, different types of transgender people, you know, as you say, some are just cross dressers and might not even fit into the true transgender category, but I, for purpose, I, I include it in a transgender category. It's just one form of, of mm. being transgender, um, all the way through to, um, you know, somebody who will go through gender reassignment surgery. And there are people in between, like myself, who maybe don't fit in either camp. Um, and I used the term spectrum to, with, with her one time. And she says, it's not really a spectrum, because spectrums are linear. You know, they're like points on a line. Uh, the way she prefers, I think she called it a phase space. I mean, this is a highly intelligent, <laughs> you know, scientific person. And nerd, using, sex yeah, nerd. Exactly. She's wonderfully <laughs> intelligent. And, and she said, you know, there are all these paths. Think of it as paths in a cube or threads in a cube that sometimes intersect but quite often don't Hmm. and we all these threads are our own path and sometimes our paths intersect in the in the manner that hers and i ours intersect in that we uh were you know have a had a male body and um but think female uh, but other than that, there's so many dissimilarities that you know, you can't classify any any of us. I think as uh, you know, this is that point on the line or that point. Yeah, we're all over the place. Well, that that's what I was getting at with with you meeting the dentist, which is it's such a great story. There's so much going on there that a, a third person 
right, the, the woman in the bathroom yes. seeing this happen would probably think, well, so they're the same in some way. Yes. Those two people are the same, yes. right? And I think most of us would assume that. But the only sameness that can be identified is that you're both different from conventional definitions of gender and so on. There's not necessarily anything the same. He could be attracted to men. She, sorry, could be attracted to men. You could be attracted to women. You, you know, it, it could be one could be, as you said, just cross-dressing because... Now, in that case, would you well, say we're in he a club. or she? We're, we're, yeah, exactly. You see the, would you say he or she? Yeah. If they're a cross-dresser, do they... And, and again, you just default to how they're presenting, right? Is right. just the best way to do it. But yeah, the, they're all over the place. If I was presenting as Daryl, would somebody look and say at you and myself standing side by side and say they're the same? Right. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. like the the high school that has two black kids, yeah. and all the white kids say, "Well, you know, you guys should hang out. You know, you're both black, and they could have absolutely nothing in common." I've got a friend who's from who lives in in Canada now. She just moved to Canada recently, um, but she lived for years in the states. She's from Congo, and she was raised in France, right? But her father's from Congo. They moved when she was a kid, and so she's in the U.S. She was in Boston, and. Uh, she was in grad school there, and all the the black community expected her to you know join the clubs and you know come to the parties and you know join the whatever political activities were happening for african American rights and, and she said to me, "Look, I feel really awkward about this because i 'm not african american i 'm african i don 't have anything in common with these people you know I mean, all these cultural touchstones they're assuming i share with them just because my, my skin is black blacker than most of theirs because she's congolese like it's not there you know and in a way like i feel like they're being racist and yeah. you know and it's it but it's you're right there's no way around it we need words and definitions and assumptions in order to to function in life we can't start from zero with every interaction we ever have yeah. do you when you dream are you conscious of your identity in the dream are you a woman dreaming if that makes sense, I mean, I don't, I don't know I've if I've never thought about it. I, you know, uh, on reflection, just off the top of my head, I, I think I'm the observer, so I have no sense of sex hmm. in, in that sense. Yeah. Um, and sexually speaking, you know, uh, whether I'm presenting as male or female, I have generally the same desires, although. I, I would say uh, in Daryl mode, uh, I'm definitely, you know, attracted to women. I'm not really attracted to men, but Marissa is a lot more attracted to men. So it's oh, it, interesting so it, when I say that a lot more than than in Daryl mode. So right. I find myself playing with with men, uh, you know, and uh, which is just part of a, a, uh, the style of relationship that I have with my girlfriend. Um, uh, I find myself um, um, playing with men uh, on occasion, probably I would say like thirty percent of the time, mm. kind of thing. Uh, it's kind of a seventy thirty split if I had to throw numbers at it. Now you're really lucky, I think, in the sense that you are a beautiful woman. Oh, thank you. You're very convincing as a woman. Yes. 
I can imagine a lot of guys physi- physiologically, you yes. know, hairy beard, yes. you know, very square jawed kind of who couldn't pull it off. It must be painful for them. It must be, I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming I, things I, here. I can't imagine. And I do have um, friends who have gone through or are either going through, uh, will go through, or have gone through gender reassignment <clears throat> surgery, um, who if physically, I mean, there, there's things you can do with surgery, right? You can shave down the Adam's apple, uh, which I'm fortunate not to have much if, you know, uh, showing at all. Yeah. Um, so I don't have to worry about those things. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe uh, jaw reconstruction, stuff like that. Um, you know, nose, things like that, that, that might be a little bit more telling, um, in order to, um, you know, get that passable, uh, female form You know, nobody, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's done if I and I haven't been in that situation, so I can't really say for myself, but, um, I don't think it would be done, um, to, to match some sort of Barbie-like look in as much as it is just not have to deal with, the looks and whispers and rejection uh, of somebody who has obvious uh, male structure. But there's a limit to that. And the limit is you can't do much about the broadness of your shoulders. You can't do... There are certain characteristics that that are going to stand out. You know, if you're 6'4 and uh, 220... Uh, and and fit at that size, uh, yeah. I mean, you might have a tough time. That said, there there's so many different types of uh, of women out there, and um, and uh, not everyone conforms to some Barbie doll look anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But it is tougher, I, I think, um, for some women, particularly where it comes to work. Um, you know, it, I have uh, two two friends um, that I'm, I'm quite close to. One that's uh, quite young, and one that's kind of my age. You know, born in the in the mid '60s, and uh, both have gone. Or one, the younger one is going through has gone through hormone therapy, has lived for a year as as a female, which is part of the process for gender reassignment surgery. You're required to to do that before you can go ahead and get the surgery yeah, and is transitioning beautifully. And you couldn't tell, um, you know, unless you lift the cover, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, my other friend is, is, uh, uh, you know, much more, uh, started with a much more masculine frame and, uh, is having to, um, you know, work a lot harder at it and, mm. and has lost her job and, uh, has gone through a lot of disruption in her life because of that, that way that said, you know, she is handling it beautifully. She forges on ahead, no fear, uh, you know, just getting out there and rocking it. And, uh, you know, this is a person who's extremely good at what they do in their professional career and has a lot to offer and is managing to get work and, uh, and, um, and, uh, and live. I but, but 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 you know that's not always the case for yeah. any transgender people. The discrimination is, um, I would say, I like to say it's one of the last frontiers in in um, 
in human sexuality is uh, you know mainstream population learning to deal with transgender people. I think we, you know, particularly in major metropolitan areas, we've dealt with the whole you know gay versus straight thing, and uh, uh, you can be gay and have a job, and nobody is like, oh, he's gay. Oh, look at like there goes the gay guy. Yeah, you know, or the gay woman. Um, you know, I heard she's gay. Um, you don't have to worry about that as much as like you know, somebody who's in transition. Again, this whole thing about having to live as a woman for a year is probably, I can imagine, probably the most difficult part where you haven't had the surgery, you haven't gone through the full hormone therapy, but you're required to live as a female and what? Keep your job and work in your job and have your workplace people accept you. Yeah. And uh, not have the various tricks of the trade used on you by HR departments to fire you. You know. Meanwhile, you're dealing with family stuff and yeah. your friendships. I mean, yeah. your entire world is going to be. And they don't all survive. Right. Of course. You know, and you rebuild, and uh, you end up rebuilding your whole life, which is a big part of the conscious reason or conscious thought process I went through in deciding that transition was out for me. Um, and and. You know, it, it's just not doable without me risking, you know, everything that I have. And it, maybe it's part of my personal imperative that that personal imperative to transition isn't as strong as maybe it has been some of my friends hmm. who have gone through the GRS. But, right. um, uh, but, you know, we're all different. Yeah. You said you have a son. I do. Uh, do you want to say how old he is roughly? Yeah, he's, he's 11 years old. And where is he? And in, in the doesn't know. Doesn't know anything about it. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm uh, divorced, and uh, uh, custody is is shared. So it's uh, fifty fifty, and uh, I have him week on and week off. Your ex wife knows. Uh, yes. Yeah. That was uh, a big part of the reason why we. Uh, Separated, uh, although that probably would have happened irrespective of the the transgender issues that came uh, up at that time. And when I told her and and um, and um, and told her about myself uh, that uh, prior to that, I and mean, we've been married eighteen years. Uh, prior to that, we were in much different places as people. So, irrespective of whether I was transgender or not, um, I'm not sure if that marriage would have survived either. So she didn't know. About you being transgender when you no. got together. Ah, no. Okay. No. no. So I, can you take us through that a little bit? Because we, we yeah. covered early memory a little bit. And then yeah. 13. You're, how many siblings do you have? Uh, I have uh, one blood sister and two stepsisters. And they're all older than you? Uh, my uh, blood sister is much older than, when I say much, um, 14 years older than I am. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, she's more like my mother because, as I said earlier, my mother left me when I was three, and uh, my sister was uh, in a big part responsible for raising me, um, oh. you know, as, as my dad was uh, working two jobs. So. Oh. Um, but uh, he later remarried, and I ended up with two stepsisters, one on either side of me, one younger, one, one How one old were you then when he remarried? Uh, I think it was 12. Oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And did you ever get caught? Uh, trying on your sister's clothes? Not to my knowledge. Interesting. Yeah, but I didn't, I mean, at that time, I didn't equate it to being transgender. I just thought, hey, this is really enjoyable and fun, and and I felt pretty, and I felt happy, and and these, and so I I did that as much as I could. 
Um, and then it went dormant for a while, and, and uh, uh, I, uh, you know, in my uh, probably about 19, 20 years old, when I moved out of the house, um, I uh, had a girlfriend at that time, and uh, I started having feelings for men, or I thought I did. I, I felt effeminate, and I equated femininity with being gay. Right. I'm a, an effeminate male. A transgender had never really occurred to me. I must have been the stupidest transgender person. <laughs> well, <laughs> I felt no. that way. Now I feel that way now. I'll, like, no, I'll bet. Was, what, why was it? I think I heard Dan Savage talking about you know his realization that he was gay and he didn't know any gay people, so it took him a long time to understand that that was even a possibility. What are these feelings like? Yeah. Like, so so I I. I broke up with my girlfriend I, I came out to her I said you know I, I'm finding myself attracted to men or I think I'm gay I need to go explore this thing and you know I haven't had a lot of girlfriends this is a very traumatic experience we were living together um, and uh, but I uh, spent uh, three years trying that lifestyle and I the, find, the gay male lifestyle yeah wow. so you know I lived in the you know gay part of town and i went out to the gay bars and i met lots of gay people and at university i joined the gay uh club and uh and hung out there and wanted to learn more and more about you know what is this lifestyle and, and uh you know the the sex was great um but the emotional connection wasn't there there was something missing i i didn't know what was going on, uh, why it wasn't working for me, and uh, and I thought, well, maybe maybe I'm not gay, maybe I'm just uh, dilettante, maybe I'm just dabbling, maybe hmm. maybe it's just you know, um, you know, kinky fun or whatever, right? And uh, or maybe I'm maybe it's just bi, but maybe I prefer women more than men. I don't know. So I went back into a heterosexual relationship and. Uh, then another one, and that that second um, after you know my my gay period, as I like to refer to it. Oh, were you still uh, wearing women's clothes sometimes? No, no. Oh, that no, was a no, childhood the, the, thing. And, yeah, so right. so the, the the dressing stopped. Right? right, like I was here was a perfect time for me to dress. Is I'm I'm on my own. I can do whatever I want. I can yeah. I could have filled a closet. Yeah, and uh, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe I did fill, fill it so much you have to come out of it. So big, There's no yeah, room in there for tell me. Tell you anymore. how big that closet was. There was room for it. Yeah, um, but uh, but no, I, uh, I I met my um, uh, my future wife and uh, uh, and I got married and had a child and and but these feelings started to come back um, over the years to dress. Now I'm married. I've got a kid i can't just go out and buy clothes or or whatever um so i gotta do it discreetly i've got to sneak around and and so what i would do is is i um probably you know let's say maybe half a dozen times um i would look up ads for protons um or uh, and who and i would go to the ones who would dress me up you know, dress me in a wig, put me in girls' clothes, uh-huh. that sort of thing. And that was the only way I had an outlet. You know, I couldn't go out and buy my own stuff and take it home. Like, right. what am I going to do? And uh, then eventually, and this is about, you know, this is 18 years into my, my marriage, 
I, um, the, the feelings started to get stronger and stronger. I found, found myself, you know, surfing more on the internet and, and looking at, um, you know, cross-dressing sites and, uh, and, uh, uh, stores that you could buy stuff in. And there was one in Las Vegas and, um, and, uh, I happened to find myself in Las Vegas on business and, uh, I won 400 bucks at roulette. It's off the book. Um, you know, it's not on my credit card bill. I don't have to worry about the uh, wife finding out. Right. You know, here's my opportunity. I'm in Las Vegas. What <laughs> happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, That's what right? They say. Perfect. So I I remember this place that I'd I'd seen on the internet and I look it up and sure enough they've got a store and I call them up and I tell them what I want to do and they say, Come on down and they've got wigs and they've got shoes and they got dresses and they got makeup and and, and uh, I said, you know, I got 400 bucks to spend, and uh, let me go through. And it was like a kid in a candy store. And I was going, okay, I want those shoes, and I want that wig, and I want, you know, uh, this clothes, and, you know. And uh, pretty soon I'm at like 600 bucks, right? And I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm here. I'm going through with this, right? So I'm going, okay. How do I, if I put this on the rest on my credit card, how's this going to show up? And they said, well, don't worry. It's going to be, you know, encoded. It'll just have like three letters and a number, and nobody will know what it is. So, okay, put the rest on my credit card. Ding. No big. I, I can explain that away or you know, it won't show up. Yeah. Three days after I get home, and I may not have mentioned, but my ex is a um, uh, an auditor by trade. Oh. Yeah. And wh- where are the clothes? Did you leave them in Vegas? Or? No, I, I brought them, but I hid them in a um, in my uh, work. I had, I had a work room with a bunch of saws. The man cave. Hey, I'm a pretty creative girl. I can, I can get stuff done. And, uh, it's so you know, funny. Um, yeah, it's in your toolbox. Yeah, it's actually, yeah. Yeah, basically, I shot it in this like, big toolbox. Like, I hid it in this bag in this toolbox. And I stuffed it away down. She'll never look there. Because uh, it's too much money to just chuck in the garbage. Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. 600 bucks, you don't wear it once and throw it. Yeah, so I didn't know what I was going to do after that. But there it was, and um, and so uh, getting dressed, getting ready for work, going out the door. It's seven o'clock, and uh, my wife comes to me and she says, um, she says, uh, uh, "What's this uh, bill for? You know, two hundred bucks to you know, glamour boutique." <laughs> oh, it said glamour boutique. Oh yeah. Oh, so they were they 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 did not do what they said. They actually the showed up on my credit card bill. And, oh my god! And so I'm I'm in shock. Right, I'm deer in headlights. Yeah. Now it's my yeah. Turn. You're the dentist in the ladies' room. <laughs> so and she thinks you're like cheating on her. Cheating like on I, her with I a woman. lingerie for another woman. Right, right. Of course, glamour boutique in yeah, Vegas. Here we go. Right, like you're you're not thinking. It's not what you think. I can explain everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Hi, honey. I'm a girl. Um, so I'm I'm trying to think. Well, what do I do? And I I said, okay, uh, I'll, I'll take a look at it when I get home. And and I go out the door and and go to work. And I'm driving away. And I'm thinking, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And uh, in the half an hour it took to drive to work, I uh, I came to the realization that I wasn't gonna lie my way out of this. Hmm. Um, when I got home, I'm gonna sit her down and tell her. And uh, so I got home that night and I sat her down and I said. Uh, it's my 
clothes. Um, I need to dress as a girl. This is my first time. And I went to a store in Vegas and I got dressed and I loved it and I need to continue to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, tears and, you know, it wasn't a lot of negativity. It was just a lot of, I think, fear on her part and a lot of uncertainty and, uh, you know, that, that pretty much nails it. Uh, what would you do? I mean, if, if you were the wife uh, and your husband just came home and said, I like to dress as a woman, how do you feel after 18 years of marriage? I mean, I can't imagine what it must have been like for. But had you guys talked about your previous three years in yes. the gay male yes. world? So she, so she knew you before weren't. Before I had sex with her the first time, I sat her down and I said, you should know. I have, you know, I have spent three years right. in the gay community and, you know, this, it didn't really work for me. And you know, did you guys have any sort of open okay arrangement or no. anything? So it was a conventional hetero, right. vanilla, as vanilla as it gets right. relationship. Yeah. This is so she thought you'd just gone through a phase and yeah. That was and, it. and, and, and again, you know, we're, we're in an age now where, you know, a certain amount of, you know, acceptance, but you know, I think we loved each other. I know we loved each other. And so that can look past a lot of things yeah. that are past, provided that you uh, are trustworthy, right? Um, and and so I think, you know, it was kind of an ethical decision on my part, even though I can't really say that I was ethical sneaking around in, in the first place, uh, going to pro-doms to get dressed, which, you know, I regret, but I felt, you know, look, I'm, I'm not going to them for sex. So, you know, am I really cheating? You know, I'm going to get dressed. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was a little different thought pattern in my head. Um, and, of course, you know, when you, when you want to, you can justify pretty much anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I sat her down and, uh, you know, we went through a few months. She was, she was very good about kind of working through this and trying to give me time and space to dress. So we we had this agreement that once a month that I would be able to kind of get dressed and go out with friends that, that I knew would be okay with this. And, uh, and, and that would be my outlet. Did it freak her out to see you? She didn't want to see. So she would go out with, you know, my son and they'd go to the movies or whatever. And I would spend time getting dressed and then mm -hmm. I would just go out and, and we had, you know, I would call her when I left and I would call her when I'm coming home. And if I came home, I would be coming home late at night. Right. I would clean up in a bathroom and, uh, and you would never know. Right. She would never know. Mm -hmm. Um, so it wasn't, she, it was tolerance. And it's yeah. a word, tolerance, that I've learned to really dislike. When you tolerate something, <laughs> yeah. it means I have to put up with you. Yeah. you know, people, people say, like, they preach tolerance. Really? That's, that's your, your standard? That's yeah. your bar is tolerance? It's very different from acceptance, isn't it? Well, and even acceptance is, acceptance is okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, although isn't I mean, that... acceptance, you know, my... my um, my my girlfriend um, I like to say uh, acceptance is for amateurs, right? You should embrace something with all of your heart if you really believe in it, and if you're in a relationship, if you really isn't that what you it. want yeah. from your partner? Don't yeah. you want something more than acceptance? Um, yeah, we all want it, but we can't demand it. Mm. It's not what she signed up for. 
Yeah. And I realized yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you threw her a curveball. Oh, yeah. For sure. Pretty sharp one. And it, you know, and I, I've been married about 15 years now, and <clears throat> I've been in several long-term relationships before that. And, you know, I think all of us who've who've been in for a long relationship know that things happen that are no one's fault, but that you didn't see coming, you know, yes. and, and everyone has the right to respond to those wild pitches as, as they, as best they can, you know, but I mean, I'm with you. I think tolerance and acceptance are short of what we want, but I also looking at it from the other person's perspective, I could see her saying, Hey, you know what? Tolerance is the best I can do. Yes. And, and that being a legitimate sure. point. Have and you ever heard of Jan Morris? No. Jan Morris wrote a book called conundrum. She's, she's a really interesting person. She, I think we might've talked about her briefly at the party when we first met, but anyway, she, um, is one of the first people to go through gender reassignment surgery. Mm-hmm. She had it done in Morocco in the 70s, I believe. Um, she was a very prominent British journalist, um, James Morris, who uh, was in the in an elite uh, part of the British military and then was sort of like a macho guy, you know, as a cover maybe, I don't know, but... Um, was the journalist as James Morris he climbed Mount Everest to the base camp and so he was the first person to report to the world that Sir Edmund Hillary had summited with uh, Tenzing Norgay and so he was very prominent and um, but always felt that her true identity was as a woman and she was sort of in the same phase of life I think where you were and married had two or three kids and had that same very awkward moment with uh, his wife at that point talking about it all and they remain married throughout life and now she's if she's still alive she's well into her 70s I'm sure but she became a very famous travel writer probably the most famous travel writer in the world and I always thought and she never talked about her private life until she wrote this book conundrum which is a very thin book um just sort of like here's the story you know i don't talk about it it's not part of my travel writing it's not something i talk about in interviews but people want to know here's this book boom fantastic but i always thought like as a travel writer so how interesting you know here's a person who has traveled within themselves so far and what they do for a living is travel all around the world and write about calcutta and you know nairobi and she's probably 12 to 15 books of travel writing fantastic author anyway why am i telling you this oh just because your story reminded me of you know i thought about her her wife's position and her her wife saying my god yeah well, you know, I guess now we can share clothes. You know, that'll save us some money. And she just sort of like took it as in stride, at least according to the story that Jan told. Which would be an awesome turning up, but awesome. But you can't expect that. No, yeah, you can't. And and uh, you know, as I say, your partner doesn't sign up for that stuff. They yeah. sign up for what they signed up for at the time they married you. 
and uh, and yeah. and although you you don't expect people to be static in their lives, you expect some change and adaptation with yeah. those changes. The uh, ultimately the um, uh, the expectation is not to go hard right. <laughs> yeah, some moderate uh, adjustments are expected, but right. Yeah. Oscar Wilde had some line where he said the the disappointment of marriage is for men that they think their wives will never change, but they do. And for the wives that they think their husbands will change, but they don't. (laughs) (laughs) In your situation, I'm not sure what Oscar Wilde would say about that. Although I'm sure he'd say something interesting. Have you thought, a stupid way to begin that question, of course you've thought, how do you plan to bring your son into all this at, at what age i mean have you or are you just going to play it by ear and sort of you'll know when he's ready um yeah that's that's a touchy one because i also have to consider the wishes of my oh, ex too good right point. His, yeah. his mother um so we've agreed that there'd be no disclosure unless we both have a talk about it um and that's part of that that's Part of our agreement, our our uh, divorce agreement. But what if he asks you? What if what if he's on to you? Good question. Then you know I'm just going to have to press pause on the answer to that. Until you and I'll get, say, yeah. you know what? Let me uh, talk to your mother, and then I will come and talk to you again. I think that's probably the best answer for that moment where he might say. Uh, Geez, I noticed that your toenails were painted red and you didn't have any socks right. on, which I'm pretty careful to... Or why <laughs> did you and mom really split up? Well, there's that. Yeah. Yeah, um, which is is probably the more you know, likely scenario. Do they live, they live in the same city as you? Yes. So yeah, there's a chance you could run into them on the street? Mm, there's a chance, but, you know, the the odds are pretty slim hmm. um, I mean there's a lot of people in the city yeah right you know what are the odds uh, but yeah it, it could happen again I mean you didn't recognize me if I spot them first the chances are I could turn pretty quickly and beat it out of them yeah, yeah. if I needed to it's not something that I know. I mean, I would love for him to know, but at, at that age, I don't think that, uh, you know, it, and it's, this is, everybody's got different opinions on this, um, whether um, their circumstances suggest they can bring children into this life or, or, or wait until later. Um, but I prefer not to confuse him pre-puberty. That's right the kind of decision. Yeah, I can understand that. And I would yeah. like him to at least get through puberty without having more confusion than he's already going to have. Yeah. And then we can have those conversations. And I expect that, you know, probably somewhere around, you know, 15, 16 years old, it's probably going to happen. Is he straight, as far as you can tell? Can't tell. Can't tell. Either way. Yeah, it's too young. You know, I don't... I don't think he has any feelings one way or another for, you know, toward... He hasn't expressed them anyway. Right. Maybe he's got clo- uh, cards close to his chest. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Dan Dan Savage and Terry have a 15-year-old son that they adopted. And they Dan wrote about it, uh, the experience in a book called The Kid. 
It's a great book if anyone wants to to get some insight into that situation. But uh, DJ was 12, I think, or something like that, and and Dan said, I was... I said, yeah, he's straight, right? And Dan said, he's not only straight, he's the kind of kid who used to beat the two of us up in school. <laughs> he's like a he's like a little pain in the ass, this guy. But anyway, I mean, it's just so interesting. I mean, having kids anyway must be interesting. I don't have any kids. But, uh, but the more complex your own development has been, it must color the way you see this other person yeah. coming up, you know? And I, I mean, I prefer that it doesn't have to deal with the complexities right. of being anything but straight hetero. Yeah. I mean, that's the simplest. It's certainly easier. In life. Yeah. But, you know, um, uh, he couldn't be born into a better situation if he isn't. He'll certainly have an understanding. <laughs> yeah, so parent. Whatever he decides, yeah. uh, straight, gay, or in between. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, maybe transgender. Who knows? Well, you know, they they say unconditional love is is the key to good parenting. So I guess you're you're in a great position to offer that. Well, that's what I get from him. So that's you know, it's it's just natural. It's yeah. The, best thing that ever happened to me was uh that voice have you seen this program orange is the new black no i've i've seen it on netflix on the thing and i keep i hear about it through media but i've never clicked play yeah it i'd be interested to hear your opinion if you watch it cassie and i have watched the first four or five episodes just in the we've been uh, binge watching in the last few days you know the story it's a, a woman who goes to a woman's prison and uh there's a lot of uh, lesbian characters and there's a transgender character oh. who is i have to say um at least from my you know white male straight privileged ignorant perspective is very uh, sympathetically done. Very, um, yeah. It's it's yeah, I, again. I'd, I'd love to hear your opinion on it if you ever get around to watching it because it, it really seems pretty accurate to me and and resonates with a lot of what you've said. The they they show the backstory and and there's a whole thing with a kid who's about eleven and the difficulty in coming out to the wife and the wife trying to understand and, and adapt and uh, it's it's very interesting and then in prison she's pre-op and then the prison um cuts back on the the hormones and so there's a some sort of a crisis brewing with that wow. yeah it's it's quite an interesting thing and it makes me think about all right i watched that last night and then we watched the daily show and billy crystal was on the daily show He's getting kind of old now, and I was thinking, Billy, when's the first time I saw Billy Crystal? He was a gay character on a show called Soap. Do you remember that? Oh, Did you I ever see that? Soap. I've seen a ton of episodes of Soap. It was probably dating myself. Yeah, me too. I and mean, what is it in the eighties? Is that when Soap was on, or maybe in the seventies? I, I, I should really hide it and say I've only watched it on Netflix. <laughs> you already uh, said but, you were but, a yeah, late no, ba- I, baby yeah, boomer. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I loved Soap, and I, I thought it was great. But was he the first? Like openly gay character on network TV, 
Because, I mean, there were things Jeez. like Gomer Pyle, who you know, we look back and say that's, you know, or Batman and Robin, obviously right. a gay couple, but they weren't <laughs> like, hey, I'm gay. I'm the gay the gay crusader, you know? Man, you're, you're going to have so many uh, comic book fans after you after that statement. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Batman and Robin aren't a gay couple. The well, boy wonder. They've got tights. I, I have, mean, the I whole thing. I have to say, I got this great Robin outfit with this skirt <laughs> and everything. It's oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe I can borrow it sometime. <laughs> Although I, I see myself more as Batman than Robin. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I guess everyone does, right? <laughs> uh, but no, apparently the set of Batman and Robin was like a, uh, an orgy. Like they were heterosexual, but they, but to me, I look, I watch that show now and it's so campy and yeah. so like, da yeah. it's, and yeah, it, to me, it just—I I think there's a lot of stuff in the '60s and '70s, and even back into the '50s, where the Hollywood writers were so far ahead of the culture that it was almost like a samistat situation in the Soviet Union, where they were writing things that was getting the message by the censors because the censors yes. just couldn't even see it. I mean, Beaver Cleaver, really. You know, we're ca- beaver. Oh, you're a little hard on the beaver last night, Ward. I mean, that kind of stuff. They had to know. Had that to doesn't happen by the accident. In the back room while they're writing this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then see it get made and yeah. it goes out on TV. And it, Wait, wait, I know. We'll call him beaver. <laughs> Leave you know where beaver. we can go with that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he'll, he'll have buck teeth. That's, yeah, that'll, they'll buy it. They'll buy it. I'm telling you. Yeah. Or even Gilligan and the Skipper. I mean, little buddy. No, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. You, you know who was in the bottom on that uh, that relationship? Uh, sure. Gilligan. <laughs> Gilligan was getting it from all sides. Yeah. Is that a pattern in my life now? Like, I loved soap, and I loved Leave it to Beaver, and I loved, you know, Gilligan's Island. Is this is this telling me something? <laughs> I know. Another, another you hint? should have seen it coming. Yeah, I should have seen but, it coming, yeah. Well, so did I, though. So what's that telling me? Maybe it's time for me to come out. <laughs> Finally. Uh well, anyway, the, the reason I mention that is, you know, watching, seeing Orange is the New Black with this, this transgender character, very sympathetically drawn, and, and then Billy Crystal, and thinking how far we've come as a culture, yeah. and how quickly, really. I mean, it, you know, there's, there's that line about um, the guy who lost all his money in, in, um, in um, Monaco at the casino. I, apparently, this is, this is one of these stories that's told in different ways, but the way I heard it was the guy uh, inherited uh, $20 million from his family. You know, the parents had a business or something, and so he decided to um, take some of his friends to Monaco and like, you know, live it up for a weekend. And so they went to Monaco and the weekend turned into a week. And at the end of the week, all 20 million was gone. Yes. And they said to him, how did it happen? And he said, well, gradually at first, suddenly at the end, you know, typical, yeah. typical thing. Um, so I think the, the sort of shift in, in tolerance for same-sex marriage in the United States is like that. You know, you say, well, it, it came it's really slow if you count it from the 70s or 80s whenever Billy Crystal's first character was on TV till now. Or you look at it 10 years ago until now when it was still 65, 35 against, and now suddenly it's completely shifted. And it's going faster. It's like a 
it's like a, a, a dike breaking, you know, it's just accelerating. It's, it's almost like, um, and, and I don't know if it has anything to do with the Bradley Manning, uh, you know, Chelsea Manning, um, issues, but it's almost like the transgender issues have been coming up more and more in the media. Um, the, you know, there's, uh, uh, it's coming up uh, in references to laws. Um, you know, states are, are looking at laws to protect tra- transgender rights. Um, right. Um, you know, it's uh, a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, um, you know, they're they're in in most places in the United States. There's no rights to protect somebody transitioning. Um, you know, if somebody wants to fire you because you're transgender. Um, they, they can, yeah. you know, um, uh, I know Canada's, uh, working to pass, uh, 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 laws to enshrine transgender rights in the human rights act, which is, um, which is exciting. Hmm. Um, but I, I get the impression that just the stories that I see, uh, transgender children, I've seen a few stories about that in CNN and, and, and various different uh, media outlets, um, is there something going on here? You know, I'm not saying it's a vast media conspiracy to uh, promote transgender uh, rights, but certainly stories have become interesting to people. And, yeah. and maybe that's where it's coming out in TV and it's coming out in, you know, movies and it's coming out in, you know, going back to the crying game, if you will. Um, hmm. Uh, but but, uh, but certainly in the last, yeah, maybe not the best choice. That, that is the first, uh, when I, I had a girlfriend in Spain, her French mother came to visit. First time I met her, I said, let's go to the movies. That was the movie I picked. I had no clue. Good call, Chris. <laughs> Good call. Um, but, but certainly in the last, my sense is the, really the last year, I want to say, year and a half. Yeah. I, I would love to go and do a little bit of research and, and, and see if um, uh, any, uh, you know, uh, sites that track media impressions have any data on that. Uh, because my sense uh, is is that it's on the rise. And yeah, maybe it's I, I because think so. this is this last uh, bastion of sexuality, uh, or one of the last bastions of sexuality that we really haven't come to grips with. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, and also, as gay marriage becomes legal in so many places. Yeah. I mean, I think acceptance again. You know, acceptance for lack of a better word or tolerance mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, it is. It's not specific, you know what I mean? So, for example, the civil rights movement uh, fighting for the rights of black people to vote and all that. Well, you know, if you're Puerto Rican or you're Asian or whatever, you sort of, like, get included in that because you can't say, okay, you know, we'll tolerate black people, but we're not going to tolerate brown people. And in some sense, I think the same sort of thing happens in the sexual sphere where you say, well... Okay, if we're accepting same-sex marriage, then what about these people who, you know, are also different? And, you know, at least you're open to talking about it. Look, if I'm a good person and I'm good at what I do, exactly. why can't I talk to you and exactly. why can't I have a job? 
Yeah. What's what's yeah, the what problem am I threatening here? here? Yeah. Right? I, I you know, I'm not dropping my drawers in front of you and offending you. Yeah. So provided I'm not infringing on your right to, you know, safety and security and, and peace, then uh, what's the problem? Right? Yeah. Yet, yet we seem to have this this problem. Somebody was asking me the other day, you know, uh, uh, you know, when when you get fired, maybe maybe it was you, maybe we were having this conversation the other day. Um, you know, when you get fired from your workplace, is it because of the management that fires you? Is it their thoughts that are, or or is it the employees that mm-hmm. are bringing stuff up with management? Yeah. You know, my sense is, you know, being in senior management myself. Um, that um, I don't think senior managers uh, care uh, about anything but uh, the um, measurements they have for their business. I mean, I know that I'm, and maybe I'm just you know, placing my own bias on this, but uh, I'm so focused on making uh, uh, my performance metrics rise for my company. I can't give a rat's ass about anything else. I just don't have time for it. Now, if a group of employees decides to make trouble and come to me and say, well, we don't like this person, they're creating trouble and blah, 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 I could really see in the workplace how that might filter up to somebody who is transitioned or transitioning or a transgender person being the victim of you know, uh, groupthink in the workplace and, yeah. and, and call it conspiracy. You know, I think lawyers would call it conspiracy if, if they were taking a wrongful dismissal case to court. But certainly uh, banding together and saying, you know, yeah, I don't like that person either. Yeah, well, let's, or, or some lower level manager. They're disruptive in some yeah, way. Yeah, but my, my sense is, yeah. Um, you know, uh, senior management levels don't care about anything that uh, doesn't directly affect them, and uh, and uh, so you know, it, it gets back to as a general population. I think the workplace issues um, will start to go away once we, as a general population, learn to be comfortable with with transgender people and understand them better. And, and part of the reason why I want to do this. Um, podcast with you is to um, humanize a transgender life, um, that we have a lot of the same problems and issues, and, uh, you know, we can be dentists, doctors, lawyers, uh, accountants, uh, you know, and uh, probably are, and you probably see us, but you don't see us. Um, you know, may, maybe we're not as... Um, as common as or perhaps uh, gay and lesbian people, but uh, we're out there and we're doing great work and we're capable of doing great things. And all we want is to be allowed to do that. Allowed maybe not the best word, but be uh, um, not be prevented from doing that, I think is a better way to phrase that. Yeah. I think that's a great place to end. You, you just summed the whole thing up so damn well. I don't want to ask any more questions and step on that. that that's a fantastic summation. Listen, thank you again. I really appreciate your trust for opening your heart up to us here. Thanks, Chris. You said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you wanna say 
Smoke alarms will dance into the ground. 